Hello, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are. This is Naziati Mohammed Yaqob, your host for Talk Architecture Podcast. Starting with a new series on architects and mental health. The first episode on this is a review on an article by RethinkingTheFuture.com which is entitled Profession of Architecture, a Profession of Stress? Question mark. The background or the intention to start a podcast series on architecture or architects and mental health is partly due to a research that I'm currently doing on this topic and clearly that I'm offering a program for architects to get a work-life balance by overcoming stress and burnout. So do click on the link below to find out more. And also another link is for the reference for this article, which suggests that we want to question, we want to know, is the profession of architecture a profession of stress? I'll be reading some excerpts and I'll be commenting on them. I start with this. How many times has it been when going through architectural job or internship opportunities, you notice, quote, ability to work well under stress, unquote, or, quote, strong resistance to stress, unquote, or having a high level of stress control, or its equivalent as a skills requirement? How many times have you added or discussed this remarkable ability to handle stressful situations in your curriculum uh, vitae or the job interviews? Is the profession of architecture entirely synonymous with stress? A friend of mine who's in the engineering field said that the similar things people think that engineering is a stressful field, but there is a common understanding that professionals um, doing with specific or specialized work would have to deal with stress. But whitewashing or just giving a broad stroke of it um, does not entail that every single aspect of the profession is stressful. Is it a reasonable amount of stress that is necessary when you're faced with work piling up and deadlines? Or is that if unmanaged or not able to manage properly, uh, whether um, you are the business owner or those working in a team or employee, if it's not managed properly, then it will lead to a situation where you cannot 
handle it or lose control and therefore about to lose control. So therefore, um, it is it becomes a stressful situation. Okay, so when we look at this article again, there's a suggestion here from this article. With a long, comprehensive design processes, numerous deadlines, and the necessity to make informed decisions efficiently, dealing with changing requirements of the client's brief, and bringing them out into design, coupled with frequent journeys to sites, delicate team working environments, and potential low salaries. It is certainly not surprising that most architectural practitioners are often heard complaining about feeling strained and unable to make, to manage a good work-life balance. You could um, take a lot of jobs, and with a lot of jobs, you come to a situation where you need to be ingenious about handling a lot of jobs at the same time. Or you could take lesser jobs. And this is the same as um, a staff member or someone working in a company would also agree or not agree to do. So it is a situation where there are many factors. And if um, necessary, can someone actually have a say in whether they they are not able to do the work if it stresses them out. We see with this article, they talk about typical things that architects do. And why would these things that architects do uh, be stressful? I mean, it can be not stressful. Because it's what they do, like design process, deadlines, informed decisions that you deal with efficiently, or anticipating and dealing with the changing requirements of the client's brief, and all the processes of developing the design, and the journeys to the site. These are typical things that architects do. Why must this be a contention of whether, you know, uh, the architectural job is stressful. Because this is what architects do, just like what engineers do. They do certain things. Or uh, medical professionals do certain things. It's whether they or not they want to take more hours or they want to do more hours that is beyond uh, what their body can take, what mentally and physically... So learning to say no or having to negotiate, no, this is all I can do, is a crucial factor. And would it be um, unreasonable to force people to do more than they should? I think that as a listener, you may be in this situation where you do not want to say no because... um, you'd want to be seen or um, be accepted in the company as somebody who would also 
uh, take, do long hours like other people do long hours. Like there are many people probably in the company that says, okay, we'll do the long hours and it's expected of us to finish later than usual. So, I mean, these things, if managed well, if are planned well, prepared well, do not have to take such a long time to accomplish. So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm questioning this article, um, putting this paragraph in, um, faulting or accusing, and I'm not accusing, but you know, like saying as if, um, that these are abnormal things that architects do. This is part of the job of the, of the architect, whether the architect can handle all this during the hours that would, not, would achieve a work, good work-life balance, then is it like out of the ordinary? So the ordinary thing the most normal thing is to work beyond the stipulated hours. Here's another part of the article. Moreover, the majority of architectural students all around the world are also known for regularly pulling all-nighters, isolating themselves for work, skipping meals, exercise, socializing to tend to press deadlines and to complete large amounts of work. A survey by Architects Journal in 2016 found that 25% of architecture students in the UK had to resort to seeking help for mental health. These discussions in the Architects Journal also claim that while these problems are widespread and systematic, they are also ongoing and probably getting worse. Does this information take you by surprise? That's what the article says. Uh, when I, if this article says that, and then I'm not surprised. And the reason I'm not surprised because I've interviewed or discussed with the many cases where I found out that students actually um, um, shall I say was not taught properly. Yes, I said it. I've said it before, when I find out that students are stuck, the project, the scope of it, the expectation of it is quite simply, but when they are stuck or when they cannot deal with certain things, like the feedback from the tutor uh, or the um, understanding of the assignment, more, more often it's because they are stuck because they do not know how to design properly. And um, because I'm always thinking of the curriculum. Now, okay, that this article um, talks about architects in general, but also saying that um, you were trained early to put to pull uh, all nighters, even in architecture school, so that you can be ready for architecture practice. So it's normal that you're expected to do so when you're in architecture school. 
In my opinion, as an architectural design tutor, you don't have to do these all-nighters. It's unnecessary. You could finish all the work during the day. Even during the production stage. Now, I've been there before where I actually work. I prefer work at night, um, from midnight to 5 a.m., then get myself to sleep and then see my tutor uh, during the day. I've done that before for my design thesis, but I actually got to sleep. And during production time, I actually got to sleep as well. Maybe it was less sleep, but never an all-nighter. So I, I'm always curious about people not as people um, or students of architecture whom I have met and worked with. In the last couple of days, decided um, not to sleep at all. I'm curious as to why they leave it to the last minute, knowing full well that a certain amount a certain amount of time needed to do the production work. And it's curious, really, that there is this mentality that that is the right thing to do. That is not the right thing to do, purely for the health reasons of not getting enough sleep. And uh, I'm reading the article now where... It says, unfortunately, while we try to assign a correlation between the problem in the field of profession of architecture and stress or relate to it at an experiential level, we cannot prove it as to how it exists in the whole profession. Okay, yeah, fair to say, fair to put that disclaimer in. The exact nature of its cause or the elements in particular to the architectural culture. Okay. The word culture is coming in, being the same as what is affecting mankind as a whole is still somewhat of a mystery. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, while we also try to extract the advantageous aspects of our, our field from this list of challenges, we know for sure that this is a profession defined by its own distinctive identity shaped by an intensive and rich disciplinary history, embarking on many fields as well, with a strong dynamic culture whose beauty encapsulates the whole population, the high levels of professional networking, a sense of community engagement, and a feeling of shared purpose are one that classifies its marvels. I don't really understand the last bit of this paragraph. When you start talking about relating architect architectural culture to uh, being the same as what is affecting mankind as a whole. And still somewhat of a mystery. Aesthetics comes from the arts and humanities. You learn fine art, appreciate fine art in terms of the order and proportion aspects and spatial and design sensibilities of fine art, for example, the human figure, you learn about that, and graphic art uh, is the illustration part of it. And then, you know, the art, the humanities, 
uh, to do with um, study of humans, behavior, and sociology, and philosophies. We learn uh, architecture at the end of the day, this, um, we produce um, these buildings that people use or people uh, engage in or something that we do our activities socially or privately. And there is an amount of aesthetics, obviously. And it's not only the architect that work on it, they have the contractor and, and probably uh, due to the complex buildings, you would have different teams dealing with the design and the uh, contract implementation. You have contracts to deal with the building uh, so that um, uh, it's been done on time, uh, professionally, and so on. We know all about architecture in the sense that you learn many things, um, even uh, how to pitch or to market yourself, sell an idea. There are all these many things, many aspects and technical things. We don't even start on them. And there are the specific skills that architects have eventually uh, acquired through experiences and different, um, you know, the architectural journey since school that are worthwhile uh, to uh, practice and some which just, you know, you know, you don't have the time to dwell upon the design for a long time, so you have to do it much more efficiently. So, I don't understand about the architectural culture. Why is it necessary in architectural schools? Why is it necessary in architectural practice? Because I do know some architecture practice creates some sort of studio or design studio culture, which uh, they may uh, inject um, some uh, tutorial or some sort of learning uh, and experience experiments and so on that is part and process of the design process or the engaging with each other in the studio and it's up to you really if you decide not to work in such a studio or in such an architecture office that is taking you more than necessary time and if you were to engage in the no no life balance you know no it's all work 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 and that is life then that's your decision really but we're talking about everywhere and anywhere meaning architectural offices in general they're not necessarily cultish or having that sense of a culture, architecture culture. Could it be that this is different in certain countries or cities than other places? Maybe. Uh, in general, 
there are options. There is a chance for someone not to be involved or had the had what you say um, enough or had has had that um, experience and do not need to have that same experience. They have different, you know, it's like a menu in a way. I can try this company, I can try this company or that practice and uh, see how that goes and so on, the experience. So, I would like to quickly go through the rest of the points here because there's something interesting at the end. But um, I'm going to skip a few of this paragraph because, uh, like just now. Ah, yeah. Okay. We also do believe that the mental health challenges the architects face originate from within the architectural culture or the workplace practices, attitudes, and experience that exists in the educational and professional realm of architecture. In multi-layered paradoxical field as it is, it is often unsustainable and unwarranted. Coming to terms with the existence of what, what one faces, a well-being problem that is worsened by the culture that has been allowed to go on since its foundation. We still have very little idea of how we could mitigate issues without undermining the aspects undermining the aspects that seem to be, to embody us all. So, like I said just now, you can choose to experience this architecture, workplace, practice, um, culture, with this, all these attitudes, if you want to experience it. This article further says, um, Tim Horton and an NSW Architects Reg Reg Registration Board Commission a report on research relating to the prevalence of, of or incidence of mental illness in the sector. In 2016, which concluded that there exists a dearth of research around the mental health concerns facing architects when students, when seeking employment and when employed, it suggested that primary research be commenced to form a clearer picture of the current context of the profession and a framework for mental health promotion, prevention, and early intervention. While it is true that given other problems that we as human beings are facing, especially with the ongoing pandemic, okay, this article is written after 2016 during the pandemic, which means it's 2020. The work-related well-being of architects might seem like a first-world problem, but it is who is to say that action in the areas we taken only when we hit a crisis in the field? Yeah, I read elsewhere that during the pandemic, it, it got even worse with regard to mental health uh, situation of architects. We should certainly aim to work towards achieving a preventative measure, understanding the people affected and the impacts that our culture is creating as a whole, thus addressing the root cause of the problem itself. Our culture again. Well, this sounds 
this culture or cultish way of doing the design studio uh, may have to do with the agenda of the business owner or the director where they want to create a certain feel and how the design process or how they do things is special. Excuse me. So you'd want to be in that office. You want to be working with that, uh, maybe a star architect, maybe uh, the signature uh, design that is produced from that architectural office. You'd want to be part of it because it's, it's in the circle deemed to be uh, something that is desirable that one should have. You'd want to put that in your CV or your resume that you were involved in that project. And it could be also associated with an architectural school. So it's not something that is found everywhere, only in certain countries, uh, from certain schools of architecture. And we could debate that um, it's not necessary. I mean, this is something ongoing we can discuss. Okay, this article also say, while often we try to discuss these adverse situations with our friends and acquaintances from other fields, it so happens that none of them can truly understand or relate to what we feel. Adjusting a few feet into or out of a room, rotating a plan, moving a staircase, removing a wall, a column, or a beam, adding a new space, chamfering a corner, or just examples of little things we do on a normal basis that might seem meaningless or maybe just insignificant to our friends, but the consequences of adjustments need to accommodate these changes are indeed rewarding, but also mighty and stressful indeed. I can't really believe that these things are being discussed in a way like as if it is so special. It's what architects do. You know, tweaking here and there or massaging the plans or architecture is what we do in the development process, a design development process. Attend is, it further says here, attending to last minute changes, the printer running out of paper or ink, especially at the brink of a deadline, wrong printing, unresponsively slow computer systems, alien behavior by software crashes and lagging, misplacing stationary, conflicting suggestions from colleagues or peers, or just a few that categorize our daily lives. Actually, um, this part where conflicting suggestions, I do sympathize with um, students who get confused about those conflicting suggestions. And when I was a tutor during that time, I asked the student, what exactly is your design problem? And you have to be confident at identifying it and uh, debating it. So I mean, at the end of the day, it's a defense of your work. So that's part and parcel of being confident or learning architecture. So none of these actually give me anything that is out of the ordinary. It just says that architecture is like this. 
and its architecture culture and workplace culture. And it is, um, that's how it is. That's how architecture is. This is saying, and that it would lead to a stressful situation because architecture is like this. This is what the article is saying. Okay, I'm going to read some more down there because I'm going to go to the last couple of paragraphs and then, okay, this is the last couple of paragraphs. The creative and highly cathartic process of architectural design, mm -hmm. while it presents a unique culture, but this very notion is plagued by this sense of perfection or individual authorship bringing with itself long and intense work hours and regimes. You can do a long one or you can do a short one, really. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's an individual authorship at the end of the day. There is the designer and then others who massage. You know, we've come across this design process before. Uh, design development after the main designer create the design, obviously. The expectations that come from an architect related to the notion of the welfare of society and the pursuit of the common good in turn results in them prioritizing others' needs above their own. What? Right. I don't know whether that statement is something that is correct or not, but I don't agree with it. So there is this quote, this alongside limited resources and work perks that are often available in small scale practices tends to work against the favor of architects leading to pressure, overall high stress and frequent incidents of burnouts. Okay. All right. I mean, this, if you're talking about small scale practices, um, because of limited resources, um, and that you have to do everything would lead into highly stressful situation, correct, and burnouts. Moreover, these challenges are reflected in educational studios too that follow suit, categorized by competitiveness, deadline-driven approach, and critique that are grade and result-oriented. Okay, they're trying to link this to education. And the last... Wait a minute. Yeah, in the last paragraph, we're coming to it. As architects constantly try to design spaces that respond to the need, to the needs of people, allowing them to live well and comfortably and to feel good as well, it's only essential that these very concepts should be implemented for them in day-to-day -day working life. Therefore, it is quite clear that more research needs to be carried out to understand the profession of architecture and its relation with work-related stress. How it seeps into the individual identity and well-being of practitioners and students. Accepting the problem seems to be the first step, and then substantial systematic research on the issue could pave the way to produce practical discipline-specific resources and initiate a much-needed discourse on how we can improve the architectural culture and hence bring about greater well-being of architects and work on making significant, mean, meaningful change. When this article came about, or the author wrote this article, obviously he or she had um, read or um, was informed, or there were case studies of people very stressed, 
and burnout uh, in architecture practice. And what this article is trying to do is also link to education. I think since then, there are other articles as well that are specifically focused on the burnout symptoms and stresses. Um, and there are some like giving advice exactly how. But what this article is good at is trying to relate to the architectural practice or the stroke architecture culture from the workplace practice, linking that to education and how why schools of architecture also make students all stressed out because in eventually they'll be working with companies that will also make them stress out and that is a that is what architect architecture is all about that you have to take it you know but this when it goes into detail about exactly what architects do I was kind of like, I don't see any evidence or any points that out of the ordinary, apart from um, creating this cult or this cultish studio uh, situation where people would work in them. And I did mention just now that you don't have to work in this studio. If you want it to be in your CVs, go ahead, do it. So yes, I know of these kind of practices where you, you would, you know, it's necessary to work overtime because that's this, I read another article that um, the author mentioning that, um, yeah, it was Simon Sinek actually. Sorry, it's not an architect, but Simon Sinek said, um, if he's not, he doesn't look busy, then his boss thinks that he's not doing any work. So that makes me think about the minutes in the hour, the hour in the day, the hours in the day. What actually are you doing? What actually are we doing in these minutes and hours? And how do we actually um, structure uh, ourselves or manage ourselves in the office or out of the office? I mean, the team work that's happening, you know, we wait for somebody to finish a work and then we, after that, uh, that piece of drawing, we continue with our work. If that person doesn't finish that work on time, we can we do it the next day? Why must we sit around and do it that night? So because we promised the client that we're going to finish the work on a certain date. And how is the boss reacting to this situation where the uh, employee has to work overtime. Unnecessarily so, because the other part of the team is not finished that particular drawing that the others need to, uh, and the system at hand. But these are particular work uh, culture or particular, uh, you know, uh, particular way that people work that... Um, it's not something that is efficient. So there is something wrong with the managing the team in this respect. Is it fair for the staff member to be waiting around and doing all-nighters 
So someone would argue, yeah, it's fair because the, the whole day they don't do anything, so the whole night they would do something. But when you are not able to to um, work during the day, but do, you work at night, and in a situation where you have to finish for the team and for the architectural company, um, then it will it will feel like there's some unfairness or some unjustification of how the deal is. Um, unless you accept it. So hence again, going back to the point where um, that person wants to experience it and being part of the team, when, when they succeed in finishing the work and the building is up, they would rejoice. They will be very happy because they're part of the team. So I'm trying to make it, the points much more specific based on what I understand is happening to the audience out there. Because with this topic, let, let me remind you on the series of architects and mental health series, it's a very important topic to do to deal with what is architect what is an architect, what is the architecture profession like, um, and why do we do the, the things that we do? And hopefully there'll be more research on this aspect, uh, the more tangible research that could be useful to deal with the mental health issues. We can just like say that, hey, architects do this. Yes, architects, that's part of what architects do, but it is not out of the ordinary. And why must they be stressed out? So, so there, is, there are all these questions. And I hope that you could understand what I'm trying to get at. And hopefully there will be much more episodes on this based on different articles, different perspectives, interviews, or some research on this so that we can have a good um, evidence-based knowledge uh, that we can share and uh, that we are on the same track uh, when understanding about architecture. Thank you for listening. Have a good day, good evening, good morning.